Companies all over the globe are developing and molding their own give back models. My name is Christine Petrella, and I'm fortunate enough to host a podcast where I can speak with these companies and help us all learn the unique ways that companies big and small are doing good things in their communities and giving back to so many important causes. Ryan Shell is the founder of The Home Tea, a super soft and comfy t-shirt company with wildly creative styles and images. The cause at the heart of The Home Tea is what keeps pushing this entrepreneur to give back. Here today to talk about his journey is entrepreneur and board member for the National MS Society, Ryan Shell. Ryan Shell, thank you so much for being here with me today. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to learn more about your company. Now, a friend of mine, Blair, he sent me a picture and he said, Christine, you have to get Ryan on your podcast. And he held up a picture and it said, a portion of profits is donated to multiple sclerosis research. Right. And I got so excited. He said, these t-shirts are so comfy. I bought four. I'm going to buy four more. So Ryan, talk to me a little bit about the home tea. I call it an accidental business. My wife and I, we uh, now live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I used to live in Manhattan. And one day, you know, just had this, this idea. I was kind of missing home, the barbecue in North Carolina. I'd been in the city for quite a while. And the concept of home came to mind. And we really put this very simple design together, which just had the shape of a state and the word home in it. And it's one of those ideas you're like, yeah, this is kind of cutesy. It's never going to become a thing. We'll call it the home tea, which now I'm kind of like, I wish I'd called it something else because we have, we're so much more than state themed merchandise. But started just with, I think it was Texas and California and a, a very limited run. And selling some designs like my mother-in-law was like our number one salesperson. She was like selling shirts to her friends in Rochester. And this was still in the one bedroom, screen printing some shirts. And we had boxes of and people don't understand a one bedroom apartment in New York, it's still like 400 square feet. So we're, we're not a lot of room to, to mess around with, but we had these boxes of t-shirts. And I, I guess my story that to get into is from day one, we donated 10% of profits to multiple sclerosis research. It's a cause that's near and dear to a number of friends that I have and family members. And the story goes a little deeper, but that's the part that I can go into. And that's been from day one. But the first time I knew, hey, I think we have something on our hands is we went to a street fair in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, outside in the city. And we're at the street fair and we had a this really just horrible tablecloth over just a very simple table. And I think we had Texas and California and New York and maybe one other state at the time. And I had red shirts, blue shirts and gray shirts on this rack that was in front of this table. I mean, totally. I look back at this and I'm like, so appreciative of wow, we came from this. And we start, and I love to sell, especially in person, to pitch merchandise and whatever. It's so fun to see people's reaction. Our shirts are insanely soft. So I knew I had that going for us. And it was like, hey, if I can just get them to touch the shirt. And I had this clipboard on this table. And if we didn't have your state, it was, hey, write down your name and email. And when we have it, I'll email you. Yeah, it was that simple. And as this, this thing started, we're selling shirts left and right. And I noticed other vendors kind of looking pissed off. And they're like, why are they selling so much stuff? And I went home that first night and like a child, I'm counting, you know, the $20 bills. And that's what we sold. There were 25 online at the time, 20 at the show. And 
I was like, I think we have something here. And then we put some shirts on Etsy. And, you know, that that is how the company literally started. And then the next thing you know, we had celebrities wearing product. Hillary Duff was photographed in Us Weekly. And that is, you know, where the company started. But since, as I mentioned, day one, we've done that donation to multiple sclerosis research. And if I went out of business or sold the company tomorrow, which I'm not doing, looking back in the fact that, hey, we've donated more than half a million dollars to this cause and, and other causes as well. And people may hear that number and not realize how big of a number that actually could be for a small business. Like we're not a giant corporation or a small company from a, not saying I'm like this great person, but that's money that I could have gone and bought a bunch of popsicles with, you know, whatever I wanted to buy. And I, I hope people start to appreciate that when companies give back, like, you know, if you think about giant corporations that may give back 1% or half of a percent, the numbers add up. So that's kind of where we started. And now we have, if you look at our website, which is thehometea.com, just the letter T on the end. And I can't tell you, this is why I hate that I called it the home tea, because then I have to end up saying it's kind of like thehomet.com. And that's just not cool. If it makes you feel any better, I never thought that. <laughs> I've just said it so many times. But what we sell now is, I mean, we, we've expanded our catalog so much. And as we're looking at new designs, I mean, if you think about the home concept, from where I started was, hey, I lived in New York. I love the city, but I was kind of missing the creature comforts of home. Like my second day on a job in New York, I'm sitting at my desk and then all of a sudden my hands hit the desk and I look up and I'm like, oh my God, there's no Chick-fil-A here. No, that was it. I'm out. <laughs> there is now and it's gangbusters, but I it was like this moment and you start to miss these things. And that's the concept behind of home. And as we look at new t-shirt designs, it's like, hey, we don't always hit the mark on this, but what's going to make someone feel something? What shirt's going to make you feel happy or kind of nostalgia about, I mean, hell, you could say 2019 at this point, the normal things in life. And that's kind of our design compass. And, you know, there's always that guiding light as we think about, should we buy this? Should we do this? How does it impact our donation? And, you know, I, I think the hardest thing about giving back is not being able to give back to everything you want to give to. I mean, that that is very hard. And, you know, I don't know if any of your other entrepreneurs have said this or faced this, but let's say if uh, there's a hurricane, you know, we'll donate to a, a food shelter or something of that nature. Or if there's a something related to Black Lives Matter or whatever the, the social movement may be that deserves some push. The art of raising money and it never being good enough for some people of you are not giving enough. You're not giving to the right organization. And when you step back as an entrepreneur, I always, I'm like, Gosh, I'm just trying to do some good. Like, can we just get a high five every now and then? I've never actually asked anyone else that gives back if they experience that same thing. But it can kind of be that that thing that beats you down a little bit. It's like, man, I'm just really just trying to help out. Right. Yeah. And it's funny you said that because I did talk with a couple partners a couple weeks ago and I said, you know, you guys are just helping solve that problem. And they said, we're really not. You know, the problem's always going to be there. You know, we're just trying to be part of that solution. Yeah. And I think it is something that we all struggle with is we're not doing enough because, you know, I'm a part of this organization and we speak up for kids who have been removed from their homes because of abuse and neglect. And very tough thing to talk about, very tough thing to bring up. But 
I'm not going to solve that problem. All I can do is help be part of that solution. And I always every day think I'm not doing enough. How can I do more? And I think companies like yours have recognized, you know, well, we're going to help you do something. It might not be the greatest impact in the world, but it's going to be an impact. And I love that you said as an entrepreneur, you were selling stuff at that Brooklyn market before you even created it, before it was even stock on the shelves. And that's that vision that I think a lot of the entrepreneurs have is if they're going to buy it, then I can sell it. And I'm very excited you know, that you were able to do that. So you have the foundation as you know, your previous jobs. You have that foundation as in marketing and right. you know, digital strategy. So how did that prepare you to kind of start and launch this business? That's a good question. I don't know that anything prepares you as an entrepreneur. I mean, people go to school. I have a radio background. That was like my, my first job in life. I'm like the guy with nine lives in terms of careers. I was a radio DJ. It's all I wanted to do from the age of like 12 years old. There was a time where my mom said, you know, what do you want to do when you get older? I said, I want to be a DJ. And by 17, I was working at this part-time AM radio station. And then that took me farther down into quite a career there. So had never been formally... My parents weren't entrepreneurs. So when you step out to do this, I don't know, again, there's anything that prepares you. It's... Yeah, I had the marketing background and understood how to promote things. I knew how to get in front of influencers at the time. I mean, this is back like when blogs were more of a thing and how to get people in product. But it's like, all right, once you get the pictures, what do you do with it? And how do you compound that? And I just learned really trial by fire, which is what I've kind of done, I think, everything in my life. And there are times, I mean, I've said to my wife, I think I have probably some insecurities around when you talk to people that, like I was, so I was on Shark Tank. There's that little thing that I did, which we maybe we'll talk about. But there's like these two ladies that I know that own another Shark Tank company. And they went to like Yale and Harvard. And I mean, they're like wicked freaking smart. And, you know, I, I talk to people like that. And there's times where I'm like, man, I, I know I run a, I have a couple companies and I'm, I'm doing okay, but what do I not know or what could I be doing better? So there is that kind of side of things. I mean, The inside of an entrepreneur's mind is very, very interesting, I think. But a lot of what we've done is trial and fire. And there's things like, I've got to tell you this one story. Hopefully, this won't run too long. Like where everything we do, we try to give back in some component. On our website, there is a tip option on the checkout page. And it basically says something like, hey, want to leave a tip? We use this money for like extra you know, money for our production staff or pizza or like we're ordering pizza today. It helps increase their hourly earning. These are people that they work hard. It is production. It's a you know a blue collar job, and it's like how do we help pay them more? Because the hourly rate only you know it tops out in this job. And that's honestly the first time I've heard of something like that, and I think it's brilliant because we can get an awesome item from the home tea. We can know that we're giving back to hard workers, but we're also giving back to an incredible cause. Yeah, I do want to mention. You know, you did bring it up, so I do want to chat a little bit about it for the entrepreneurs listening. Your time on the Shark Tank—that is so neat. So, how was that experience? Need is definitely a word for it. It's, a- <laughs> it's so weird that we're talking about this because I woke up yesterday. I was thinking about I'm trying to get back into blogging for the home tea. And I'm like, what, you know, maybe I could do this blog post about what it's really like to be on Shark Tank. And I mean, it started with like, think about the times in life where you turn left and you almost went right. So I had, I still worked at a day job at this agency. I was bored out of my mind. I was in that moment of like, you're worrying about do I have enough vacation days left to take this trip to Boston? to stand in the freezing cold to audition for Shark Tank. And I remember standing on, on the sidewalk. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. It is so cold. I'm wearing dress socks. 
totally not prepared for the weather. And two and a half hours later, I'm thinking about leaving. And, you know, manage to stick it out. You go into the audition and you just give your minute and a half spiel and then you leave. And that's how I auditioned. And a couple months later, I get the call um, and, and they're saying, hey, we'd like to take you to the next step. And then fast forward, I, I took, I was fortunate enough to take this trip to Africa, which was mega with my, my in-laws. I can never thank them enough for that. And there was a period where we were in the Kalahari Desert for three days, no cell phone service. We get to Cape Town. It's 1030 at night. I turn my phone on and it's blowing up with these voicemail messages. And it's like, hey, it's so-and-so from Shark Tank. This is our X number message. Do you want to be on the show? And I'm like, what? And this is, you know, so many hurdles have been jumped through. So I call and I'm like, hey, I'm in Africa. Yeah, I want to be on the show. So then, you know, that takes you to the recording phase. And I'm, but I'm like, you know, I could have missed out on this opportunity. But thankfully, we got on the show, you know, fast forward, we got three offers. I turned them all down. It is a challenging life experience because it took me almost from audition to air was one year. And so even after you tape, you don't know if you're going to air. So you're just constantly like, is this going to happen? And I'll, I'll never forget I, the number of times because I kept plugging that 10% of profits is donated to multiple sclerosis research. And there's a point where one of the, the judges is, is like, can you stop saying that? And I'm like, no, that's our thing. I'm not going to stop saying that. And my one regret, had I known this, is there was the backstory being the network had a deal that month with another charity. And all my mentions of MS Research got edited out. And had I known that, I would have worn a shirt that said it something different to try to plug that in. But Shark Tank, you know, we were doing well before that. Once you get a 12-minute commercial on national TV, obviously some things happen and, and like you have some special moments. But then it goes back to the marketing of, okay, what do you do with this opportunity? And I will say my actual biggest regret is the number of emails that I got from customers that said, why didn't you mention MS Research? And I'm like, crap, I, I tried. And you feel like you let people down because we have a significant part of the customer base. And this is for any entrepreneur as you're, as you're building a brand, does connect with MS, whether it's they have it, they have a family member, a friend, whatever it may be. And there's people that have no idea that we even donate, even when you scream it from the rooftops. But the fact that there is this population of people that connect to this thing that we do, and it's important to them. And you know, I would love to raise monsters amounts of additional money. But the fact that we're doing something is pretty cool. And you know, I, I think my, the next phase in this, like when during breast cancer awareness, we do some breast cancer shirts. And those can be kind of comical at times because it's a tough subject that you try to make not light of, but try to add a little something to. It's hard not to have that conversation without saying the wrong thing just now. It's very challenging. <laughs> but then actually my dad also, I don't mean to be a downer. We didn't have the tightest relationship but he actually died on uh, April 1st, April Fool's Day. I mean, it's kind of a tough way to die, but he had Alzheimer's and he died of complications. He's only, like, I think, 66 years old. Again, not much of a relationship and it's, it's a weird thing. But now I'm like, all right, what can I do to raise money for a specific Alzheimer's foundation that does a significant amount for research? So that's, you know, next on my kind of to-do is how do I help other charities in, a, in the same type of format? But it, it you know, you get to these points, like you feel like you can't do enough. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to bring it down there. No, no. I mean, and that's the important part about what you're doing is raising that awareness and that visibility. And again, we're always going to want to feel like we have to do more and we just do what we can. Yeah. And what you have on your side is a great company that is raising awareness. 
one question I would love for you to ask other entrepreneurs is because I don't, and that's the other thing. I don't always talk to other people like myself. Like my friends are, you know, not everyone works for themselves, you know, at this point in life. And it's a very lonely environment sometimes. And I, I was just sitting here thinking, are there other entrepreneurs that, like, do you ever feel like, hey, I've done enough? Or is there ever this point where you feel satisfied with what you've done? And I have not personally hit that moment in life. And maybe that's what makes us entrepreneurs now is that you're always chasing something or you're never satisfied with what is right there. But also kind of an interesting way to live life because at some point you need to be satisfied about something. Right. But it's this constant chase. My wife is a therapist and she would probably be diving into something right now, but that's what I got for you. Yeah. I mean, I've never asked that question. I guess I've just always assumed, which is not great of me, that the answer would be, no, it's it's never enough. There's always more right. that we could do. And everybody I talked to, I guess I just kind of got that feeling is, you know, when I asked them what's next and what do you have next? And even you just gave me some plans of, you know, Alzheimer's research. And there's always going to be something I think that entrepreneurs have written into their DNA that wants them to push forward and keep doing more. So I'd love to know more about MS. And I know it's very close to, you know, your heart. So, so why did you choose MS? You know, there's parts of the story that I just for privacy for the people involved that I can't mention, but we'll just say there's people that are very close to me that have it. And there was a specific part of the story, and I'm sorry that I can't tell you, where you meet a person in life and it's like you find out that they have this thing that you you can't fix. You can't throw, you know, money at it, a band-aid, whatever. And you do have this moment of like, holy hell, how do I help you? What can I do? And giving back was that one little thing that we could do. And MS is back when I was I was probably 21, 22 years old. I was dating this girl. She had a cousin. His name was also Ryan. And he was the first person that I ever encountered that had a severe case of progressive MS. He was one of the youngest cases his doctors had ever seen. And in the course of the year, this guy went from like playing sports to in a wheelchair. And you know, you see these things that have, and it affects you. And then when you find someone that's close to you that has it, it's like, oh, I, I just need to help you. But MS, it, it's a disease that, you know, there can be good versions of MS where you have it and relapsing remitting is what it's called. And maybe your leg goes numb for a short period of time and doesn't happen again for six years. Then there's the progressive form of MS, which I just mentioned that the cousin Ryan had, has, and it takes control of your body and it, it kind of knocks you out. And those are the, the cases that really, really, in my mind, I'm like, that's why research is so important. It's like, okay, the relapsing remitting, it sucks, but it is not as bad. How do we, when we're researching, so there's, I'll get way in the weeds, but there's this thing called myelin. Picture it like a piece of tape. And the, when the myelin goes away, the piece of the tape comes away. But what if you could regenerate the myelin and it puts that piece of tape back and it starts to kind of reverse some of this or it slows the disease? And those are some parts of research that I'm very interested in. And I think the, the researching drugs and helping people is just super important. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm also on the board of the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. So this is more than just a, hey, I'm throwing money at it. It's, maybe I could put more time. They, I always apologize. I'm like, guys, I wish I had more time for you and could do more. But it's not just a, are we really walking the walk on, on this? But yeah, hopefully we someday have a cure for MS and we find a different charity to donate to. Now, selfishly, you know, when I think about Alzheimer's, it is not something that from the research that I've been done that I need to worry about. But I'm literally, I will play with my child and I'm like, what if in, I'm 41 years old and I'm like, if in 20 or in 15 years, 20 years, whatever, I can't remember anything and I end up like my father and that is freaking terrifying in a way. 
So I guess there's things that selfishly make you want to have some level of motivation. Yeah, I don't actually want to think about that right now. Yeah, I hear you. My, my mother actually makes my kids these yearbooks every year. And so she just does all these pictures and really neat ways to remember what happened each year. And um, it's, it's just really special way to make sure that we continue to have those memories. Yeah. And, and they're really sweet. I wanted to thank you. I know I've taken a lot of your time, but what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who might be getting into the give back or one for one type of business? I think it would be just very immediately what came to mind is stay focused and keep going. I mean, I would say something, some profanity, but we'll just say it's not easy and you have to keep going. And I mean, actually, this is relevant. I mean, when I, my father-in-law is a venture capitalist in a specific field. He has not helped us with the home tea. But I remember like yesterday we were in Soho, we went to dinner and I said, so, hey, father-in-law, I think I'm going to quit my day job. And when I thought he was going to punch me, I mean, it was like, you're selling t-shirts, dude. This is not a good idea. How are you going to take care of my daughter is, is what he's thinking, which rightfully so. But tough conversation. I mean, that it could have easily stopped right then and there. But you, you got to leap because I think the worst thing, and I would leave people with this, is the freaking unknown. That's what's going to drive you crazy. Just keep going. Thank you so much, Ryan Shell. I will support the home tea. I will tell everybody to support the home tea. It's a great, I mean, those shirts are what you guys call insanely comfy. They're crafted in the US. So thank you. And uh, we will continue to support you and your cause. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Ryan. From starting at a street fair in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, to a wildly successful t-shirt business, Ryan never lost the core cause of giving back to MS Research a cause that is very near and dear to his heart. Ryan went into full detail about its effects and how his give back model is used at the home tea. We learned that although sometimes there might be a setback within your give back model, you need to push through by trial and error and never lose focus and just keep going. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Give Back Model podcast. If you're enjoying what you hear, please head to my website, thegivebackmodel.com, where you can listen to other episodes and check out the Give Back Model merchandise, where $5 of every hoodie sale goes to charity. Please don't forget to follow, subscribe, and leave a review on your listening platform of choice. See you next week on the Give Back Model.